I'm Alexandra Kreis and you're listening to Outer Travel in a Journey. In my own search for self-understanding, I have met people from all walks of life. I bring to you a taste of these encounters. Welcome back to Outer Travel Inner Journey. My guest on the show today is Leslie Lovelin. Hello, Leslie. Hello, Alex. Good to have you. Well, Leslie is located in oh, Grand Prairie, Alberta, in Canada. Doesn't mean much to me, but Alberta does mean a lot to me. <laughs> so, in a sense, I know where that is. And thank you for coming on the show, despite the time difference and. I'm very uh, curious how we're going to go through this conversation because Leslie is a clinical Ayurvedic practitioner and also a Panchakarma specialist and not only clin clinic Ayurvedic practitioner, but also specialist. So beyond the day-to-day -day consultant uh, of Ayurveda, Leslie took time to study Ayurveda in depth to slowly go deeper and deeper as you do with these kind of holistic healthcare systems. So hi, hi again. Hi. hi, thanks for having me. It's good to have you. How long does the study really take, Leslie? I mean, like as in practical for now, just to get a scope. Yeah, so the, the clinical Ayurvedic specialist program, it was uh, around four years total, mm. well, in between, uh, about four years total. And then I took uh, the Panchakarma program, which was another 11 months. 11 months. Is that um, only possible if you have some accreditation in the background, like the clinical Ayurvedic specializing that you can do with the top up of the Panchakarma specialist, or can you dive no. straight in? Yeah, no, there was, um, there was definitely a mixture of people that had not taken any Panchakarma or sorry, uh, Ayurveda training at all. But I felt fortunate having my knowledge of Ayurveda going into the Panchakarma program because, um, you know, it was definitely worth understanding what Ayurveda was before moving into it, for sure. Can you give a brief explanation to those listeners who haven't heard of what Panchakarma is, maybe have a little bit of an idea that Ayurveda is a holistic Indian healing form, but not so familiar with the Panchakarma concept? Yeah, so Panchakarma is, it's for, it's for cleansing the body, the mind, it's for balancing, for healing, and also rejuvenation. Yeah. Um, so it, you know, it encompasses all of that and it means pancha means five and mm -hmm. karma means action. So there's, you know, these different actions that we do, um, to help cleanse the body for sure. Yeah. And as far as I know, pancha karma myself, but you've went through the pancha karma yourself, um, I know it as being some sort of retreat and that you can correct actions, but that these corrections are things that have deeply rooted in, in yourself as 
imbalances or diseases as the English language offers so so well but you know what I heard and learned is only that you need to take really time to do panchakarma in order to get to the root of it but having had your own experience and becoming a panchakarma specialist what have you established or what is the key intake for you how can you offer this service for those that can't take out three months for example to to see you for it yes exactly so um, you know, you can do a three-day Panchakarma program. You could do seven days. Um, again, depends on the depth of each individual's issues. So, uh, and you can also do uh, at-home Panchakarmas. If you are working with a trained, um, you know, specialist so that they can help guide you through it, for sure you'd have to have somebody helping you. But what's the difference then between, a lot of people might even know Ayurvedic cleansers. Uh, what's the difference between the Panchakarma or is there a difference between the Panchakarma and the cleanse? So the Panchakarma definitely deals with enemas. And then you would have to know why you're using them enemas. So whether they're decoctions or whether they're oil enemas, you know, different things like that. That's mainly one of the bigger things with the panchakarma is yeah. the enemas for sure. Oh, wow. I thought that the panchakarma includes treatments we're not able to do ourselves. That's why I'm really surprised. Um, and I offer, and I know like my sister, for example, she is a health educator and she does enemas in her detoxes. So do I, but um, I thought that panchakarma is a lot of the treatments that you can't do yourself, like the ghee in, in the eyes and, oh yeah, don't, don't get afraid now, listener, but <laughs> um, there, there is something. Yes, yeah. some are definitely treatments that you cannot do yourself. You know, the shiradhara for sure, but yes. you know, oil and third eye. Um, even the abhyanga, I mean, we could do self-abhyanga, but traditionally it's, it's four-handed abhyanga. Mm. So there's two people doing it in sync and um, the steam tents, um, you know, mm. yeah. yeah. So there's definitely treatments that we cannot do at home. Right. And would you say there is a benefit of having it done besides doing it at home? Where is the huge difference in committing to being treated opposed to being just advised in, in treatment? Well, there's a sense of being taken care of for sure by somebody mm. else, which allows the letting go of internal stuff, mm. you know, because you know, you're being taken care of. And you're also on a program, uh, usually when you're doing a Panchakarma treatment program, you know, you wake up at a certain time, you're being fed, you're being, you know, you're in meditation, you're in some sort of yoga. There's many aspects to it. So it is a good thing to be, um, you know, to go and get it done for sure. Yeah. What was your own key takeaway or best memory of experiencing Panchakarma in the first place, Leslie? It was mental. Uh -huh. It cleared up so much mental ama toxicity for me. Yes. That is my experience with it. I, I had a huge shift in, in my mind. That yeah. is my biggest things 
How did you notice, how did you recognize that shift? I recognized it. It was, it must have gradually happened. I mean, I've taken, you know, I've done Panchakarma a few times and one was quite intense. It was a three week one. Yeah. But how I recognized it was the same thing came up that would normally have affected me and it didn't affect me anymore. It was, for example, is there something example, you can talk about? Um, the stress of everyday, you know, life of, of, you know, working, um, you know, we run a different business, which is construction. And there's a lot of, you know, different things, different, different types of, um, you know, there's a, lots of employees. So things that would bother me before I, I even would start to recognize each one of them as their own individual person. I, I just started to, it, it incorporated, um, just allowing myself to allow them to be themselves. That is really yeah. what I started to recognize yeah. about myself. Yeah. And what is the, what is the, the myth around like, you know, Ponte Karma, I know it as a five crown treatment, you know, and various dishes, very necessary. And what is the myth that you can take away from this, what a lot of people really want to do, and then they end up going and getting it done on their holidays for 10 days, they return. And what I often see as an Ayurvedic practitioner myself and having done treatments is that they completely, you know, they suffer from more imbalances after. Yeah. So what is it that you can help to debunk or demystify here about Panchakarma? It is definitely very, very crucial to do the post after the punch, you know, punch a car. There's the three stages of it, right? Mm. Um, many people will go home right after having the punch of karma treatments done and then go back to living their normal life, which, you know, we all have our normal lives to live, yeah. but there's a process to reintroducing yourself back into that for sure. And if, if that step, if any of the steps really are missed, you know, it, the, the effects are definitely not long lasting. Yeah. They're not long lasting and they can, you know, I think they can almost bounce back on you because when you, when you get, uh, when you get to that stage of coming to a really deep rooted problem and it's about to surface, it's sometimes it takes, as you say, care of the practitioner and to hold a space and be held in the space. And you have to, uh, create and establish a routine that keeps holding that space for you to go into the deeper healing. It's almost like if, if you just got the bandaid from, from the hospital and then you are being sent home and you kind of keep stubbing your toe on that bandaid, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Like hmm. yeah. Yeah. Wow. Is there, is there, is there a particular story that ties you deeply to Ayurveda and believing in, in its magnificence and ways of healing that you can share maybe with the listener? Yes, I, the story for me definitely was my son. Um, mm. he, you know, he got into a accident and he, has, uh, he had a, brain, a traumatic brain injury. And 
he was in a coma um, for three weeks. Yeah. The, the diagnosis was he would either be dead, be par or a quadriplegic, or a vegetable. Yeah. And that is what science said. Yeah. Science, you know, all the x-rays, and I'm so grateful for the, you know, the neurologists and the doctors that worked on him because without that, he wouldn't have survived either. But they, you know, they basically said to go home because he was, he was not going to survive. And he is today walking, living on his own, driving. Um, and I honestly believe it was, you know, a little bit of knowledge I had before this accident happened that I used on him in the hospitals. And hmm. yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely where my, my true belief with Ayurveda came about because hmm. we used, you know, we didn't know the outcome, but. That incident was 2012, as I recall you telling me beforehand. And what were the main applications that are so different to what we call conventional, conventional medicine? What was it that you felt gave it the the drive for him to return to life so i definitely uh worked with the five senses at that time that's really all i knew um so i i juiced for him i would have fresh organic you know greens and vegetables and i he had a feed tube and i would juice every morning for him and that's what I would feed him daily. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't feel like what was being fed to him, you know, the traditional, what they feed them in the hospital. Um, I just didn't feel like it was getting on a cellular, le cellular level, you know, to rejuvenate him. Yeah. Um, and then I would burn, you know, I'd have aromatherapy going in his room at the hospital. I would do, um, we would all do, uh, treatments on him like body treatments um i was massage therapist at the time so i you know uh, and i would use oils and you know different he also had psoriasis so bad when he went in there and it disappeared while he was in the hospital um you know i would play music for him uh, meditation music uh i would have people record so he was familiar like he could hear voices the voice of familiar people i felt that was very healing uh, i wouldn't allow any negative talk in his room from anyone you know i believed he was able to hear um, and what does that make you know like where do we see the this knowledge or this wisdom and ayurveda coming through when you say like it's um i hear you talking about vibration and life force as we call it so prana for those who don't know but how else are you being taught in ayurveda to incorporate that and why is it so essential from an ayurvedic perspective of course so from an ayurvedic perspective it is really important to understand that we do heal from all the five senses. So everything that we take in 
is either medicine or poison. Yeah, that is, um, that is, I think the, the best distinction, if you, if you are not sure <laughs> what Ayurveda can offer you, it's, it sounds often very simplistic and I see people being not convinced because of the simplicity of that. But at the end of the day, we are dealing with a lot of civilization issues these days, you know, the obesity and whatever else is showing up um, in society right now, increased immune deficiencies. And, and the big question here is, is this because we have mistreated our sen senses or not? Is there something that you know about it or can share? Yes, and I mean, you know, one of the things is the faster we move, the faster we age the faster mm. our mind moves. And so, you know, as we know, there's so much stimulation, you know, wh which I believe is causing more disease. We're not taking that time to, you know, be in silence, to rest, to recover, to rejuvenate. Yeah. And there's just too much happening. We don't, our minds are, you know, on overload and multitasking and, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah and that that is from an ayurvedic perspective that is the the point where we try to incentivize like change of lifestyle which seems pretty boring and and uh, my latest guest on the show who's gonna be you know showing after we streamed your interview but she also said it's it's she, she was able to tick the list of healthy eating and movement and meditation, but what was lacking was a frame of mind, which you have to learn and which is often given in the style of a retreat form to learn it and absorb it and then hopefully to take it home, right? Is that what also is being taught in Panchakarma? Yes. Yeah. And nature is one of our biggest teachers. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what is there that we can leave the listener with? I mean, we're talking about, you know, becoming curious and that it's good to be treated, but also that there is options of looking into it. Yourself. What would be a first step or first advice to our listeners in the sense of how can they get closer to Ayurveda and get a sense of it and sniff it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's many, you know, many programs and it's always, it's always great to start, you know, with yourself. Um, so you learn, you learn best through embodying it, you mm. know, and yeah, there's, I, Ayurveda is definitely becoming, you know, more widespread, which is so great to see and hear. It's, you know, there's still a lot of people that don't even, haven't heard the word, mm. um, but it's, you know, it's a sister science to yoga. So, you know, we, it, yeah, there's a lot of. Yeah, we're, we're expecting it to be on the rise. I mean, I noticed that uh, Ayurveda doesn't sound like a, a mouthful of vowels to people anymore. <laughs> anymore and everybody has at least heard the name 
And I think a lot of people get to know it through a treatment as a massage, but uh, we both come from that background, but we also know that they're, you know, like this is just the tiniest blip of Ayurveda. What would be a next step you think is useful and helpful for someone? I think the first step is actually getting, um, getting assessed by an art, somebody that understands Ayurveda because there's so much information out there. Mm. And my experience with that is, is people can get, become more confused. Yes. So I feel being, you know, assessed properly so that they understand where their natural constitution lies, where their imbalances lie, then they can move forward from there. But mm. until you have you know, a really good understanding of where you're at, it can become more confusing. And I think that is where uh, people will drop off because it's like, this is just way too overwhelming. Exactly, exactly. And um, then of course there is um, the easiest way of being guided through something that has deep and lasting effects, which we both offer, which is like the, yearly or bi-yearly cleanse, cleansing process in Ayurveda, which people would know as detoxing and which in other methods you can do at any time of the year. But um, I have been, like, my own conviction is that there, it's best to, to cleanse at the junction of the year instead of doing it in the middle of you know, winter, middle of summer or something. Can, can you relate to this? conviction of mine yes absolutely so twice a year spring and fall mm. like you said at the conjunction there's you know the two cleanses that Ayurveda believes in and we do the um and they're two different ones because in the spring we are removing the accumulation of kapha that happened over the winter or, you know, early spring, right? So, mm. and then in the fall, we are preparing for the winter months to come. So they are two, you know, they're similar, but different cleanses that happen. Yeah, exactly. And they might show up in when you get the acknowledgement of how your body has slowly transformed from its usual balance into one of the dosha forms, um, which if you're not familiar with it, we're talking about Pitta, Kappa and Vata here, which are made from the five elements yeah so yeah that is a that is a good way to start i also notice it and there is easy ways of doing that cleanse i don't know you're offering one is that one that's uh, traditional or is that a one that is more steeped in opening up into the five senses and noticing the shift in the mind most of all which we probably all need more and more than just the shift in the in the feed, way we feed ourselves Yes. Yeah. So mine definitely, you know, I do introduce some traditional um, different things and I, you know, and I do go into the part where they work with the, you know, their own body treatments and different things like that. So that's where my training came from was more of a traditional way mm. of doing it. So I do incorporate, you know, different parts of it. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. Um, yeah, there's not much 
left to say, to say about Ayurveda, but besides that, I think one of my things I want to push forward is, you know, we are, when we are talking as Ayurvedic practitioners and as holistic practitioners, when we are, I mean, me personally, I never try to exclude conventional medicine as it's essential because we are not, you know, allowed as much as what doctors and trained doctors can do, like doing blood tests. But I would always say, you know, your health is a good investment. <laughs> yeah. And um, to even, uh, even if you don't pay for your doctor in your country, which are, you know, which I don't need to do here in Germany, but I would always kind of go the extra mile because just look around you, what happens and how people are, you know, grasping for more embodiment and more um, freedom of mind and balance. And does your doctor really deliver that to your doorstep or do you feel you are already kind of putting a, an eye out to, to somebody else who is in a holistic business? Um, that's what I feel like people need to acknowledge. There, it's not it's not a spending and a waste of money, but it's an investment if you trust someone and that someone will always repay the trust and is trained in holding space for you. And space is often connected to time. And then in that time-space relation, healing happens, not in the compression of fixed solution and applied matters like, you know, I don't know, pills and quick treatments of by physiologists or what is your experience what how do you relate to that so ayurveda definitely teaches us to take responsibility for our health hmm. and i you know from experience with myself and with clients the more responsibility we take for ourselves the less we really have to go see a western you know or you know the medical doctors which yeah so grateful for the medical doctors for sure Hmm. but I find we have become too much to rely on just going and getting a quick fix with that. So the more we learn how to take the responsibility for our own health, you know, the more empowered we are for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And empowerment just means in a sense, and a true empowerment comes through deeper wisdom and knowledge, you know, being guided by a force beyond the ego and the mind. Um, that's what we seek in Ayurveda. And when you are tapped into what nature is providing you and whispering to you, then that cannot be of evil source or of whatever, you know, bad source. That's what I always feel like nature always looks out for us in the best form yes mm. yes and ayurveda it really helps us understand when we start to go out of balance how to bring ourselves back in yeah. you know the more we start to understand ourselves then we recognize when we're and we all go out of balance you know that's just human nature so it's just you know the more we understand who we are the easier it is to bring ourselves back in yeah, it's almost like I, I think about Germans who like to, uh, who are totally DIY. I don't know how the uh, Canadian work, but 
a, a lot of the things that Ayurveda could teach you is exactly that, to become your DIY person in health and in trusting your gut and your intuitive powers, you know, mm, that you applied so well when you, ha when you were looking after your son in the, in the hospital back then, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Great, thank you for this beautiful conversation, Leslie. And if you want to connect to Leslie and um, get a treatment by her, she's also available online these days and has her own Pantakarma facilities in Canada, if you're located there. And we'll put her, your links and offers under the, into the show notes. And otherwise you're, you'll wonder, um, you are on Instagram. Who are you again? It's a beautiful name your company took. What is it again? Remind me. Inner Sage Ayurveda. Inner Sage Ayurveda, yes. Stemming from your own beautiful trust into your intuition, right? This is how you picked the name. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I feel we are, we all are our own guru. Yeah, absolutely. We are. Yes. If we learn to listen. If we learn to listen, yes. And that is what Ayurveda teaches us. Thank you brilliant final sentence <laughs> well have a beautiful autumn and uh, enjoy the fun of leading people through the healing journey i can only highly recommend leslie she is such a beautiful you know person very loving person with highly intuitive insights you will get only the best of the best if you work with her so thank, thank you. you. See you next time, dear listener. If you enjoy listening to my podcast, please consider to become a patron at patreon.com slash Alexandra Kreis and pledge your donation.